I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter 55. What you see behind me is the title of the next three sermons uh, that we'll be going through as we prepare to kind of start this year. As I was thinking about this year and, uh, and, and what God might have to do with or, or have for us to do and, and might shape our congregational life, there was something that I just couldn't get past, and it was this word we've been talking about, joy, right? Uh, when I was a child, there was a, a group of people that came uh, to our church and did some music, and, and maybe, I, I don't know if, if any of you would have heard, I bet Dennis and Nan have heard of these folks. They were called the Jews for Jesus, and uh, it, w- it was folks who had Jewish by birth and heritage, but had come to know Jesus Christ. And they came and sang at our church. And, and you know, there's just certain, I don't remember much. You, you, know, you know how these things are weird. Like, what do you remember from childhood and how strange it is that you remember that, but you don't remember things that maybe you should remember. I really remember this one service as they were about to start that song, uh, a song and start to sing it. Instead of counting it out like one, two, three, four, the guy said, one, two, you know what to do. And they hit it. And I've never forgotten that. And it was out of this passage of scripture. It was a song that said, you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth before you. And we sang that song as a child. That's where this, this it came from this passage. And as I kept thinking about this year, I think that God really wants us to have joy be in everything that we do. And it's going to shape some of the things that we talk about throughout the year, and we're regularly going to come back through the year, and we'll explain more about this in a couple of weeks, but regularly through the year, we're going to stop what we're doing and just celebrate the joy of the Lord and, and spend some time looking at that because I think we need it. Or if you don't, because I know y'all are the spiritual group, you know, I, I, I get that sometimes. I feel like it's often dashboard confessional, me confessing to you what I need. Uh, I need joy. Right, And I want the Lord's joy just to envelop me this year and just, just to be the strength that the scripture promises that it is for us. And so I hope that this year is going to be very meaningful for us. As we look at Isaiah 55, I do want to remind us a couple of things about the book Isaiah. It's written by the, or, or it's recorded by the prophet Isaiah. And it's a particularly difficult book sometimes to read because we're not sure if we're reading God's words, the prophet's words, or the prophet speaking God's words. And so it, get, it gets a little bit confusing. And I do want to say, we have a, I think we have a copy of this in our, in our library. Or you can go online and buy one if you like it. Years ago, a friend of mine uh, developed a Bible with Lifeway Christian Resources called the I Am Bible. And it's unique in that, and we talk about this in our Grow class. It's unique because in the Old Testament, you know, in the New Testament, we have the, the letters of Christ in red, so you, you know that it's Jesus speaking. And what he did was took the Old Testament and emboldened the text where God is speaking. So when you're reading it, you can kind of see, okay, this is God speaking. That helps me to understand that. And, and so you, you might think about it like that. Isaiah, what we're reading today, I guess it's a little bit dangerous just to jump in chapter 55 and not have been through chapter 1 you know, through 54. But if I could just get you, if you have your Bibles, if you would just turn back, maybe in your Bible, it'll be like a page. And you would see probably one of the more famous passages of scripture in Isaiah chapter 53. This is the suffering servant passage that we often read uh, around Easter, where it talks about Jesus being our sicknesses and carrying our pains and our sins and how we looked at him as stricken, right? So, so that's where the kind of the context is about this. Isaiah's writing to a group of people and he's saying, I know that you've been living in exile. I know what that's like, 
But God's about to do something, and it's going to change everything. And so he points to Jesus in chapter 53. In chapter 54, he starts talking about the great glory that is going to be found in Israel and all the benefits of this. But chapter 55, verses 1 through 7 today, is what I want us to look at. I want us to see the right way. You know, often in your life, there's a right way, and there's a wrong way, And sometimes in our lives, there are multiple ways, but many times there's just one right way to do something. You know, you you can't get around it any other way. Uh, In one of my shop classes that I took with one of my mentors, one of the things that would happen, we would come to a problem and say, hey, what, what should I do about this? And he'd say, there are three ways that you could tackle this problem. And I'd say, I don't have time for three ways. I need the best way right? I'm not going to be doing this for my whole life. I need to know how you would do it. And he'd say, well, Jeff, if you don't know the other two ways, then you don't know the reasons they may not be as good as the right way, right? I mean, there's, there's a right way for us. And I want us to see that from this passage of scripture, because God speaks to us this morning about what the right way is. Let's read verses one through seven. Come, everyone who is thirsty, come to the water, You without silver, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without silver, without cost. Why do you spend silver on what is not food? Your wages on what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and you will enjoy the choicest of foods. Pay attention and come to me. Listen so that you will live. I will make a permanent covenant with you on the basis of the faithful kindness of David." Since I've made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples, so you will summon a nation you do not know. Nations who do not know you will run to you for the Lord, your God, even the Holy One of Israel has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he is near. Let the wicked one abandon his way. Let the sinful one, his thoughts, let him return to the Lord so that he may have compassion on him and our God will forgive freely. The first thing that I want you to see from this passage of scripture is something that ought to jump right off the page. It's an invitation. It starts and it says, come. Does that sound familiar to you? Because Jesus started oftentimes that way. Come all you who are weary and I will give you rest. Come. It's, it's an invitation for us. And an invitation's a very powerful thing, isn't it? Because when you're invited, it means that you're wanted. That's a, a, a great thing in your life. When someone says to you, come to my home and have dinner, you're, you're wanted, right? There, there's an expression there of value and kind of inherent uh, worth or worthiness uh, to you. And, and I think that's an important thing for us to see when we look at this. God's looking at the people in verse one and he says, I have an invitation for you. And notice what the invitation is back in verse one. He says, come, come to the water, and buy it without silver. Come buy and eat. Now, this is interesting that he says this because he says, I want you to come and I want you to buy water and bread. So if you think about that, that's the essentials, isn't it? That's the essentials for life. He's saying, I've got what you need to sustain yourself for your life. That, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Because Jesus In a couple of the I am passages that we find in the gospel of John, what does he say about himself? I am the bread of life. I am living water. If you drink of this water, if you eat of this bread, 
You'll never thirst again. You'll never be hungry again. I mean, as he, as he starts to say this to people, the invitation is, come and partake. Do you remember that in Psalm number 34, the scripture says something amazing. It, it says, come, taste, and see the Lord is what? Good. Come, taste, and see the Lord is good. The invitation for us is, come and find all that you need, and you're going to find it right here in me. So that's the essentials. And I want you to see what Jesus is saying or, or God is saying to us about this, this opportunity that we have is that salvation is going to be found and it's through the invitation. And it's the invitation for us to come and get what we need. But there's more. Did you notice it said, come also get milk and wine? Well, that's the abundance, isn't it? Because God doesn't just give us what we need. God gives us in abundance. Psalm number 23 says that our cup overflows, right? I mean, God pours out the blessing on us and our cup begins to overflow because of the invitation that we have to come and be in relationship with him. Now, this is very important because a, a lot of people are, are sometimes confused about this passage of scripture and they say, now, is, is God talking to Israel or is God talking to the nations? The answer is yes, it's both. Israel's in exile. They're outside of God's will, right? They've run away and God's saying you need to come back. But he's also talking to people who are far from God. And he's saying the invitation is here. I've just pointed out to you in, in number, uh, Psalm, I'm sorry, I said Psalm. I meant Isaiah 53. I've just pointed it out to you. It's Jesus. That's the invitation. And the invitation is for us to come and know the Lord. And I want you to see something because this is incredible. It says you need to come and buy this without money. How does that work? How could it be that we're able to buy something without money? We see that's the gospel in a nutshell, isn't it? The gospel is that we, we need something. We need a relationship with Christ because we're separated from God the Father. The Bible says that while we're separated in our sin, we're actually under the wrath of God. It says that we have no hope that the best things that we could do fall short of God's glory. It falls short of what God would have for us. And so God in his mercy sends Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us. And the invitation exists for us today. In the same way that Jesus said, come all you who are weary and I will give you rest, What's he talking about? It, it, it's those weary souls that we often carry around. And, and if you don't know Christ this morning, the scripture says that the only way that you're gonna find rest is through Christ. It's through acknowledging that, that you have a sin problem that separated you from God and, and that the only way for you to come back to that is through the death of Jesus Christ, that Christ died in our place. When he went to the cross and died in our place, he paid what we could not pay. And grace is free, given to us. We can have what we need, but we can't buy it on our own. We can't achieve it on our own. We can't find it on our own. We, we can't search for it and obtain it on our own. It comes to us through Christ. And I want you to think about this. It's like God is saying, I want you to come and find all of the things that you've actually been searching for and your money's no good in this store. You ever been with somebody and you went to eat and the check came and they, they said, his money's no good. Her money's no good here. I got it. That's what the Lord's saying. The best that you could do is no good here. 
And so the invitation is to come. Why would God offer this invitation to us? It's because he has loved us with an everlasting love and, and he wants us to be in relationship with him. And this is important for us to really bear down on and understand whether we are, are uh, believers already and we may feel like we're not as close to God as we wanna be, the invitation is come. Or whether we've, we've never come to an understanding of what faith is and, and accepted the invitation, the invitation is for here and now that God says for us to come. And then he asked this question. He says, why do so many of you keep buying cheap goods with counterfeit money that don't last? Let me ask you a question. When was the last time an advertiser really got you? You know, they sold you on the dream. They sold you on the lifestyle. Maybe, maybe it was something you watched on TV or a print ad or it was a YouTube influencer telling you this was the greatest thing, an Instagram influencer. This is the greatest thing ever. If you buy this, our life has changed. I was watching something the other day and I'm, this guy basically was saying, if you stop drinking coffee and start drinking mud, you'll lose weight and all your problems will be solved. <laughs> and I thought, well, I could go dig some of that up right in the backyard right now. This is amazing. I don't even have to buy it. Right? I mean, but, but have you, have you felt, have you ever felt that? When's the last time somebody got you? We often buy things that really seem like they're going to satisfy us, but they don't. And here's what happens when that occurs in our lives it actually leaves you longing for more. You know, it, it maybe gives you a little bit of a taste of it. And you think, oh, that's good, but it didn't quite get what I needed. And I'm a little bit disappointed. I need to find the better thing, the, the next thing. And, and what the scripture says to us, look at verse two and three. Why do you spend your silver on what is not food? Your wages on what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me. Eat what is good and you will enjoy the choicest of foods. Pay attention and come to me. Listen so that you will live. I will make a permanent covenant with you on the basis of the faithful kindness of David. What a question. Why do you spend on what is not food and what won't satisfy? When when God asks us that, it, it's this great question, why do we do it? And, and sometimes the only way to, to get over that is to learn by experience. If you read Dave Ramsey and his daughter, uh, Rachel Cruz's book, uh, Smart Money, Smart Kids, it talks about how to raise kids that are going to be financially sound. And one of the things that they encourage you to do is to give something that's similar to an allowance, but it's different because it's tied to chores, so they call it commission. So encourage your children, do some chores, pay them the commission for the chores if they do them. And then this was kind of an astonishing thing if you read this book. It says, and let them go to the store and make terrible decisions. Well, why? Well, because when they've saved all week their $5 and they go to the store and they, they want to buy, you know, uh, five packs of bubbles or, or four packs of of pencils or, or packs of gum or whatever. And, and then they realize like, that that wasn't really what I wanted. It, it teaches them something. We often do that, don't we? We're the same way. Maybe if we learn it a little bit earlier is what they're trying to say is that as we grow older, we won't fall to the same temptations. But spiritually, this is important because it's the only way for us to know what doesn't satisfy 
is to look at what really does satisfy and see that all these things that we're trying to accumulate for ourselves, all these experiences that we're trying to have, all the things that, that we wanna do, all the things that we're looking for for value and meaning in our lives, they're actually not found in anything that's temporal. It doesn't work. It only leaves us wanting more. And so if the prophet's audience this morning is the lost world, it's really important that we see this because what he's trying to say is we can't live like everyone else and be satisfied. You can't just chase bigger and better and more of everything because it's actually fool's gold. It's empty. And so the invitation to you, if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning is that if you're spending your time spun up chasing the next car, the next job, the next experience, uh, the next, um, I don't know, vacation, whatever you want to call it, Ultimately, it will not satisfy. And at the end of the day, it leaves you empty. If it's us as believers, then the message is actually much of the same. A lot of us are spending our time and money on stuff that won't satisfy, even though we know better. How many of you remember our good friend David Nelms from the Timothy Initiative? Let me see your hands this morning. You'll know what I'm about to say then. Dave Nelms talks about this experience that he had when he was a, a new Christian riding down the road with a fellow believer and he said, man, look at that, that's a nice car. And his buddy said, it's all gonna burn. <laughs> what? That's a nice house, it's all gonna burn. What a nice church, it's all gonna burn. All of these things, one day, are gonna melt away. They, they, they won't go with us, right? And, and we know that, but do we really know it? If we know it, then we ought to see the invitation a little bit differently. That the Lord's telling us that where we invest our time, our energy, our resources, our attention, ought to be on things that last. Do you struggle with that? It's tough. Because we're constantly bombarded by a message from the world. And, and don't ever mistake this. The world's message is a message of Satan. And so if he can't get you completely messed up, he can at least get you distracted, right? And, and you're spending your time, your energy, your resources, your attention on things that aren't going to matter. And, and listen, we've said this before. Don't hear me say that this is the no fun message. I hope you get a vacation this year. I hope at some point this year, you get to buy something that you'll enjoy. There's something to be said for enjoying the fruit of your labor. I mean, that's, that's a great thing. But if that's the focus... If that's where we find ourselves all the time, something's really wrong. And maybe as believers this morning, we find ourselves back in the same position. You know, the, the, the problem with our lives as believers is that we live by the Spirit, but we walk around in the flesh. And so the way of the Spirit wars against the flesh and the flesh against the Spirit and what happens is sometimes that flesh rears its ugly head again, doesn't it? And goes, hey, gratify me. Make me happy today. Do you ever feel that way? I do. I was thinking about that last night. I was sitting at Chick-fil-A, eating my little nuggets and my fries. And this guy walked by with an armful of milkshakes. And I thought to myself, who needs nugget and fries? I messed up. I should have just come here and been on a liquid diet. We should have just had the milkshake. It just rears its head. No, and sometimes it's okay to have a milkshake. Sometimes you gotta say, no, we're gonna go back here and, and just live simply 
It's all going to burn. All of these things that we're giving our time, attention, our efforts to, while necessary on the one hand, are not to be primary for us. And so when the Lord says to us, I have an invitation for you. I want you to come and be satisfied. Let me ask you a question as a believer this morning. Are you satisfied? So if, if someone who was a, a non-believer sat down and asked you about your spiritual life, would satisfaction be a word that came up and was described of you or that you used to describe your spiritual life to someone else? Would that be one of those things that you said, yeah, I, I'm satisfied in the Lord. God is good. God has been so good to us and I'm satisfied. God's been teaching us. God's been leading us. God, God's been showing me different things. I'm satisfied in the Lord. Or is your life filled with longings all the time? There's a biblical longing. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. That's a biblical longing. It's kind of a funny illustration, isn't it? Water's available. You want it. But is it the, the water that's going to satisfy, or is it a cheap replacement? Years ago, Andrew Peterson wrote a song about his salvation experience. And in that song, he talked about drinking from a shallow well only to thirst again. Amen. I know that feeling. I know what it's like to drink the living water and then try to replace it with something that doesn't quite satisfy. And you just go back to it time and time again until finally there's a wake-up call, right? And that's the invitation for us today. And here's the important thing. It's not only that it's an invitation and that we're buying cheap goods that don't satisfy with counterfeit money, but the invitation has an expiration. Look at verses six and seven. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he is near. Let the wicked one abandon his way, the sinful one his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. So he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will freely forgive. Like every good thing, it doesn't last forever. There's actually some small print here, and I want to come back to the small print in, in just a minute. There's a, there's a little bit of an exception to the invitation because it has an expiration date. When we read this, the first question that maybe comes to our mind means, does God show up and disappear at different times? Is it, is it, would it be a fair assessment for us to say about this passage of scripture that God comes on the scene and then he goes far away and he comes on the scene and he goes far away? That's an inaccurate description, but I think there's a, a way that we could understand this because we know that, that God is near to those who are in trouble and God's a present help for us and, and Jesus said he'd be with us always, even to the end of the age. But there's something about this that I think is spiritually accurate for us to understand. One is that if you're not a believer this morning, the invitation definitely has an expiration date. And that invitation expires on the day that you draw your last breath or if Christ comes back. At that point, it's too late. There's no more time. I can't extend that invitation for you. Nobody in your family can extend that invitation for you. In that moment, it's too late. 
Now, while you have breath in you, there's still time for you to give your life to Christ and take the invitation and accept it and come and place your faith and trust in Jesus. But in that moment, the small print reads, the invitation is done. And for those of us who are in Christ, do we say, well, there, there's times that, that God seems nearer to us and, and sometimes that it seems maybe he's not as near? Well, of course, right? Sometimes there's a special visitation of the Holy Spirit in our lives where the Lord just walks closely to us and the invitation comes and it's God-sized and we have to accept it then or move past it. Sometimes we don't get a, a redo on that. Do you remember me telling you the story of one of our former mission partners, Church Mission Network, Phil Johnsy? I've been praying, asking God, God, if we were gonna take a mission trip, I'd really like to go to a place where I could train and work with pastors. About two weeks later, Phil Johnsy was in town, said, hey, let's have lunch. We go to lunch and he says, would you be interested? I'd really like for you to go to Africa with me uh, in about three weeks, four weeks, We've got an opportunity for you to train pastors. And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> Can't do it. And I went home and it was like the Lord said, were you, well, are you joking? Or I mean, like, what was that? And I was like, I can't go to Africa. Mm -mm. You know, I don't like flying. You know, I don't like traveling. And you know, I'm a picky eater. Come on. I can't do it. Man, the Lord just started working on me and he said, Basically, the next time you pray about something and I put it out there, you better say yes. Phil came back from that trip a few months later and we were having lunch again. He was telling me all about how great it was. Of course, it was great because I wasn't there, you know. It was awesome. And I said, Phil, I need to apologize to you and repent. And I told him that story and he said, I'm so glad to hear you say that. We're going again. <laughs> and I was like, sign me up. That's not how it always works. I've squandered opportunities that God put in front of me and that invitation had a lifetime and that door closed, never to be opened again. So as believers, I think it's important that, that we look at this and we understand that we don't wanna mistake God's mercy and his grace for his indifference towards us, right? I mean, the New Testament, when we see this expression, call, call to me, right? We, we see this idea of, of seeking and calling. When you seek me, you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. When you call unto me, I'll answer you. And so for believers, it means that we have to be sensitive to the voice of God and not miss it. Researchers have called this phenomenon uh, where we kind of miss things in our lives that seem really obvious. They call it an inattentional blindness, not unintentional. It's inattentional blindness. It's kind of like this. Maybe it's, it's that thing in your life where you ever ask your, your, your wife or your husband or your roommate, your friend, whatever, like, hey, I can't find my keys. And they're like, they're right in front of you. Or you go to the fridge and you holler out, where's the orange juice? I just bought it. It's sitting in there. I don't see it right there. Why is that? Why, why does that happen in our lives? And what researchers say with inattentional blindness is that it's not uh, kind of registering the way we thought it would. So sometimes they'll, they'll do something funny, like they'll have a picture and they'll say, can you spot the toothbrush on the counter? Well, of course I can. And you see the toothbrush and you click it. 
And then they say, but you missed one. And you look and you look and you look and you miss it. Because in the background, they superimposed a toothbrush that was big as the counter. It didn't fit what you were trying to see. Toothbrushes aren't this big. They're this big, right? So you, you miss it. And a lot of times with what God's trying to do in our lives, I don't think it's that we're, we're intentionally blind to it. We may be stubborn or scared like I was. But, but maybe it's just that it doesn't fit what we see in the moment. We expected God to do something and what he brought to us was smaller than we thought it would be. And so we're like, ah, I probably don't need to do that. That's not on the God-sized scale that I was looking for, Lord. Or it's too big and we just feel overwhelmed by it and don't feel like we can, we can approach the Lord and, and be able to, to answer the call in this way. And it's like God puts it right in front of us and we're just blind. But notice what he says, seek the Lord while he may be found, call while he's near. When God comes near to us, and the Holy Spirit is ministering to us and speaking to us, it's a time to grab a pen and paper and start writing down. What are you saying, Lord? What's next? How can I serve here? How am I gonna be able to minister to people that are around us? And so many times God just blows our minds with what we thought was going to be something totally different. Sometimes it's that that scale just feels too small. Well, I don't, anybody could do that, Lord. That's not really what I had in mind. But what if it's where God called you? What if God wants you to stand in that gap? Is there any task too small for us to say no to the Lord? What if the, the scale is too big and we're overwhelmed by it and we're scared by it? Is God's grace and his strength not sufficient enough for us to walk through those doors and trust that he will do what we need to supply all of our needs through his riches in Christ Jesus so that even as we're being stretched and it hurts a little bit, God's doing something. My dad was fond of saying when he preached in this pulpit, the opportunity of a lifetime only lasts for the lifetime of the opportunity. When I think about that and I think about our church and I think about what God has in front of us in the coming days, there, there's something that, that I was just re reminded of, you know, is, is that God is still in the business of freely forgiving people. We're gonna see that in the second service as we've seen over the last few weeks more and more people being baptized, praise the Lord, amen? We're grateful for that. We're excited about that. His grace is freely given to us. And I really believe that at this time in our church, there, there's a, a passage of scripture in the book of Revelation that has just been kind of hammered home to me where God's talking about the seven churches or, and John's recording this. And there's one in Philadelphia, not Pennsylvania. Please don't say that to anybody, they'll... They'll not, you know, it was Philadelphia, not in Pennsylvania, okay? Philadelphia, he says this. I've given you an open door that no one can shut. But that open door lasts for the lifetime of the opportunity. I believe that God has that for us. I believe he has it for you this year. I believe that God is calling us to be stretched a little bit differently to places that we may not have thought of going, to places that we might be scared of going, to tasks that we might think are beneath us or above us. But the answer for us has to be, Lord, you are near to us, and while you are here, our answer will be yes. 
How sad for us to have the God of the universe offer us an invitation. Come. I'm going to give you something that's going to satisfy you like you've never been satisfied. And us go, eh, I don't think so. I'll stay over here. This, I at least know this. I know it doesn't satisfy me, but I at least know this. For us as individual members of this church, the answer must be yes. Lord, where you call, we will go. And I think for some of us, it's this idea this morning that we have to put down some of the things that we thought were going to satisfy us. Really examine our relationship with them. Really ask ourselves, am I satisfied in Christ? When I leave here today, what's my soul going to long for? What's my soul going to pant after? What what am I going to be drawn to? What am I going to chase this week with my time, attention, my money, my efforts, my energy? What what, what is it going to be? And and if it's not what God has for us, we've got to ask the question, what are we doing? Because the invitation should be modeled in our response for those who are far from Christ. See, the invitation isn't just once, come and die. Do you remember a number of years ago we were studying the book of Joshua? And we studied that famous passage of scripture. Choose for you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And that choose for you this day was keep choosing. He was saying, it's not just like once, but I have to keep choosing it. I keep choosing it over and over and over and over again. We, we have to constantly answer the invitation that God gives us afresh and anew to say, yes, Lord, your will be done. That's why the Lord's prayer is so important for us, isn't it? That when we go before him, I have a lot of things that I want done, Lord, but your will be done. Make your will done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, how's God's will done in heaven? Perfectly. On time, every time, never late. Perfectly done. May your will be done on earth and may I be a part of that, Lord, to to, to go forth and be part of your will being done. And I model that. And if you're not a believer this morning, the invitation for you is to come and receive Jesus Christ. To be born again in new life in Christ. He's paid a debt that you owed that you could never pay. Your money was no good at the cross. And so God sent his only son who died in our place. And the the invitation for you today exists, but it won't always. That invitation's going to expire. Are you in Christ today? Have you been saved? Do you know him? We have to answer that. And, And I'm just praying that this year, as we go forth, that some of us in here who have never answered that invitation will give our lives to Christ for the first time. Follow him in believer's baptism. I'm praying for, for others of us who have looked at the big world that's out there and, and we've kind of pulled back and we've been afraid and we, we've shrunk back from the needs that we see that God will allow us to see them afresh and anew and as he invites us into the hard places to do the hard things, our answer won't be, ooh, I don't know, maybe not. Could you get anybody else? Have you tried one of our super saints at the church? I'm just a regular saint. Could you get somebody on the honor roll and ask them to go? I feel inadequate. And God's saying, I've got this opportunity of a lifetime for you right here to walk through and trust me in faith and obedience. Here's the good news about the Lord. Let the wicked one abandon his way, the sinful one his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord so he may have compassion on him 
to our God, for he will freely forgive. Aren't you glad we serve a God who freely forgives? I'm so grateful this morning that when I woke up, God didn't kind of look down from heaven and go, oh, here we go again, that guy. And he can't ever get it right. What, Gabriel, what are we gonna do with this guy? I mean, what, what are we gonna do? The Lord says his mercies are new every morning. However, yesterday ended, it didn't start that way today because God's mercies were new. His compassion, it fails not. It never runs out. And so for us, we may feel like we're far from God this morning, but let this be a God moment where we answer the call and we trust the Lord. And we say, I wanna, I wanna come back. I wanna be in sync with your will. I wanna take the opportunity that you put in front of me and I wanna trust you, Lord, for this. And I'm going to believe that you're going to do great things. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be nervous. But we lay all that at the feet of Jesus and cast our burden there and know that he will supply everything we need for what God has in front of us. There's a right way to do this. And unfortunately, it's only one way. It's through Christ, our Savior, our strength, walking with him daily and trusting in his mercies. Would you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, how we praise you and thank you. And um, God, I'm just overwhelmed this morning with your goodness. I'm overwhelmed for our church with your goodness. And Father, I believe there are probably people in the room who need to answer the invitation today to come. God, may there be a lost person in the room today who is saved and found, who's redeemed and just made clean by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. God, I pray they won't wait, but in this moment, they would give their lives to you, wholly and fully commit their lives to you. Father, maybe they, like all of us have done, are chasing fool's gold that will not satisfy their souls. And may today they see the glory and riches of Jesus Christ. And Father, like Psalm 34 says, may they taste and see you are good. Father, for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, help us, Lord. Would you please, Father, help us to answer the invitation, the call that you've set in front of us. God, there's a door I believe that you've opened for this season in our lives to live in joy, to trust you, and to serve you in new and fresh ways. God, ways that are going to stretch us, may we not be afraid of those. And when we are, may we let our faith conquer fear. God, let us cast aside the things that never satisfy and come home to that place where we have what we need and your abundance flows and Father, it, it just overflows our cup so that it, it pours out and, and the blessings that you've given us pour out onto other people so that they may know your grace and your goodness. God, would you do a work in our hearts today?